It doesn't always go as planned here on the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. My day has not gone as planned. I, uh, I'm i a freelance writer and producer, as listeners might be aware. I also have a four-month-old infant. I did not get a lot of work done today, so I, I may be up into the wee hours of morning doing stuff. And my beer options for this show were a 32-ounce crowler of the Imperial Stout that I had last week, or a 32-ounce crowler of an 8% Belgian Strong Ale. Although, since there is a Rotherham preview coming up, Belgian Strong Ale was appropriate since it's called Satan's Kingdom. Instead, I decided to have a little bit of rye. So I poured a few fingers of Sazerac rye whiskey over an ice cube in my little bourbon glass, my little snifter, and I'll be sipping on that, but to keep some Yorkshire flair and to keep me somewhat balanced into the AM, I did brew up a little iced tea. Uh, it would be Taylor's of Harrogate uh, Assam Black. It's nice. I threw a couple cardamom pods in there too, just to give it a little uh, a little chai spice note since chai and rye are a fairly classic combination. Also a fairly classic combination on this po- on this podcast are myself and Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Hey, how are you doing? Um, I am joining you on the rye train. I got a old-fashioned, uh, just a little bit of uh, simple syrup and bitters. It's a very classic. Um, I don't know if anyone in Yorkshire has ever made a uh, black iced tea out of Yorkshire, uh, Harrogate with cardamom pops before, mm. Jeff. I think you might be throwing out in the county for doing such, I mean, it looks delicious, if I'm honest with you. It's quite nice. It looks like, it looks like a real ale. It does. There's little ice cubes floating in it, although I don't know. Three tatters if you've ever made iced tea from uh, Tales of Harrogate. <laughs> it's what I had in the house. So, <laughs> <laughs> Probably drinking an actual beer, maybe on a second one. In the general Boston area, it's Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking? How are you? Uh, second drink, first beer, uh, wife and I went to a wonderful New England town this weekend, got away, uh, to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which has a bunch of breweries. And I brought back some, uh, Liars Bench Brewery. It's called a Love Duck, uh, Pale Ale. It's, uh, fine. <laughs> I feel like when I was up in, I don't remember if it was Portsmouth specifically, but I say it in, is it called the Woodstock Inn? They did their own brewery there. They had a very good brown ale there, as I recall. This is many years ago at this point. But it's always stuck with me. I don't know. Would, would, I know Woodstock, Vermont. I don't know it in New Hampshire, though I'm sure there is one. It's probably an untapped somewhere if I wanted to look at it. But there are bigger things to talk about, although not more exciting things, in episode 111 of the Alice America. We will review that Luton Town game, update you on all the injury news, and... Whew, Hold on to your butts. We have a Rotherham and Wickham preview. It's going to be exciting. But we will start with 90 and 90. Luton Town 1, Sheffield Wednesday nil. So Wednesday, is for a change of pace, after starting the last few games on the front foot, almost conceded in the first 20 seconds as... Cameron Dawson is caught uh, rooted to the spot at the back, which is normally something you hear on a very swervy free kick or uh, wicked deflection from outside the box. Not when a ball is just kind of rolling in front of him in the eight-yard box like two feet from him. 
he did manage to make the save, uh, and I think the follow-up was cleared off the line by Aiden Flint. Uh, when, I would like to say Wednesday grew into the game from there, but what uh, what followed was a dull, plodding thud of an affair that kind of felt vaguely like a small but inconvenient sinus headache for 70 minutes or so. I just thought of sort of Wednesday getting pinned down the wings, not really offering much going forward, lacking clinical balls in the final third. Stop me if you've heard this before. It wouldn't even really have passed as a good modern dance performance, in all honesty. It was not exciting in any way, shape, or form. And then around the 70th minute, uh, you may recall last week that uh, Patty and I had a bit of fun with Sam Hutchinson getting sent off in the uh, Cypriot League for a for a bit of a spikes to the thigh, high tackle, trying to play the ball. It may have it may have looked kind of like the tackle that U.S. Van Aken put in to get sent off. You might be thinking, hmm, you got your comeuppance there a little bit. It's not so funny when it happens to you, is it? And like, my response to that is, we're Wednesday fans. It's fucking hilarious when that happens to us. <laughs> we're used to it. Uh, so yeah, U.S. Van Aken got sent off for, uh, for a dangerous play. And Wednesday conceded four minutes later, probably not even, uh, and I turned the game off, but I'm reliably informed that they lost one now. Patty, what's your talking point? Well, you didn't miss much after that uh, goal went in, uh, Jeff. So my talking point this week is around the midfield. Um, and we spoke last week about uh, how we thought, or how I thought that Monk got tactics wrong against Brentford. Uh, by adding Hunt on at the beginning of the match and swapping in for Jolly Petlassi at the second half. And it was kind of the wrong way around. By that point, the game was lost. Um, and we kind of switched a defensive midfielder on for an attacking midfielder. And what we did notice uh, last week against Brentford in that second half with Petlassi on the pitch is that we created absolutely nothing. <laughs> now, I'm not blaming this all on Jolly Petlassi. This is certainly not his fault, uh, this, this game. Uh, he's not a creative midfielder. Uh, however, um, we have midfielders in this team now is that the um, nicest thing you've ever said about Trey Pelopesi <laughs> he's not a creative midfielder you could say he's not a midfielder or a footballer um but uh no I'm not being cruel Joe today because I think he did average uh I have and I expect nothing but average in fact average for Joe Pelopesi is exceeding my expectations if the if if Wednesday had managed a bang average performance they probably would have gotten something out of the game Right, and that's what's annoying, right? Because we have players on that pitch like Bannon, like Reach, like Harris, that we've seen uh, do better and play better. Um, and But we've also seen, for a majority of the last year, play like this, which is with no passion, no purpose, no drive, no energy, no creativity. And it's it's the first game of the season, all right, I'll say the, over, the, over the course this year, not this season, this year, we've played like that shit, right? This season was an anomaly in the fact that we have been playing better. We've been playing more energy, more purpose, more driver. This game, though, against Luton was a complete callback to last season's shambles. There was no organisation. There was no creativeness. All it was was just 90 minutes of getting it on the flanks and crossing it in, usually poorly. Occasionally, we beat the Luton defence and it was a scuff shot or a, a tamer header uh, or kind of blocked at the back post 
or in one uh, uh, circumstance, uh, actually our best chance came from two defenders. If you remember, uh, Aiden Flint crossed it in <laughs> for Joseph Aken, who glanced ahead her. Uh, and that was probably our, our best chance. Um, yeah, and I just want to end my, my kind of rant on midfield. Bannon um, did okay during the game, uh, during the play of the field. Set pieces again, maybe had one or two which were okay. But you can't, in the, in the final five minutes of the game, with one man in their wall, with our final chance of the game, hit that fucking man in the wall. <laughs> that is unacceptable. Yeah. You one nil down against Luton Town, you're down some men, you've got a fantastic opportunity to put it in the box, and he hits the fucking small guy in the wall. Unbelievable. Honestly, I was apoplectic with rage. Um, he should be taken off all three picks. <laughs> Justin, what's your talking point? Uh, so I... Let me actually get to my talking point, which actually perfectly goes with Patty's just to to touch on the great point he raised about the midfield. Um, and and I, I thought the problem was, and, and I don't, we'll probably get into this a little more. I don't really blame Gary Monk for the tactical setup this week because who the fuck was he going to play? Uh, I guess I he maybe should have had Fizz in there. but But what you had as a setup was, Joey playing the holding role that, that Luongo normally would, which means that Pelopesi, who's very limited, plays it in a defensive and hanging in the back, almost on the back line type of role, instead of moving around the way Luongo does. And you had nobody up front to connect with that front line. Somebody between uh, Kachunga or Patterson needed to fill in that space and didn't, because if you don't give somebody in front of Barry Bannon, he will find the absolute furthest back point in the midfield with which to put balls up deep. And what happened was we created a massive hole in the middle of our midfield. Uh, somebody had commented on Twitter uh, the idea that they didn't, they wish they were at the game because they couldn't see any shape whatsoever <laughs> on iFollow. And my response to that was the only shape is the giant hole in the middle. And that absolutely destroyed us. It, it was a donut. It was a donut shape. And the problem so, was that I've defended, I'll go real quick. I've defended Adam Reach forever and I'm still a fan. He was useless. You know, they, they had nothing up the wings. It was, but it was that midfield. It was that lack of balance. And it was the fact that we don't have the players right now in the midfield to be a good football team. We should be able to scrap out some ugly wins coming up. We'll talk about those. But against a decent team like Luton Town, we don't have the players right now. So, and this gets into my talking point. I would even call Luton Town decent. I mean, decent's probably fair, but what they were was, uh, I don't want to say well-organized, although they were well-organized, is that they came in with a very clear plan, which was to stop Reach and Harris from really doing much down the wings and making the midfield three beat them. And they were just unable to do it. They were well. well if we had Luongo and Izzy Brown, right? So, like, that's the thing. It's, right? This team, this squad, really for six years now—I mean, probably even longer—has been like crying out for a number eight, and they just have not had that sort of driving force in the midfield. And Luongo can do that, although he's, I think, more versatile than it. And we, they haven't really even used him as that per se. But there isn't that like, like 
the complete and utter inability to like play the ball to feet through the midfield is a huge issue for this team. Like when Bannon does it, it's like a slide through ball further up the pitch or it's a give and go. But what he really wants to do, as you said, Justin, is like drop a little deeper and try to hit his cross field balls and pick out a winger. Which, look, when it works, it looks beautiful. It doesn't necessarily lead to anything, depending on what the, you know, what Harris or, or Reach or any number of wingbacks, fullbacks, midfield wing players have come through in recent years. And sometimes it does, but he's not getting sort of the results with those Hollywood balls. He's not really facilitating link-up play. Uh I have now seen a fair amount of Jack Marriott in a Wednesday shirt, and I don't. He never gets. He never touches the ball because they can't get him the ball. Like, well, exactly. He, he needs. That's what they need. Izzy Brown. He, Izzy Brown was able yeah. to come back. Izzy Brown is able to drive forward, be that connector, and make those through balls. Jack Marriott, again, from what I've seen, but needs even, the ball into space. Even with Izzy Brown, they, the problem was, but Izzy Brown was sort of playing in that, whatever, the central attacking midfielder role or uh, number 10. Like, they weren't getting the ball to Izzy Brown because they're still creating that gap in midfield. But it was better, right? So it was better. It, it was, was better, better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the thing that frustrates me is that we've, we keep, <laughs> we've been moaned in the transfer window. We've always signed number 10s. So why are we playing number 10s in that fucking <laughs> role that Izzy Brown's left? I mean, is it the gaping hole, like you said, Justin, uh, in between where Bannon and Pelopesi sit and the strike forces? But we've got three strikers on the pitch. We've got fucking Marriott, Kachunga, and Windass. Windass and Kachunga are supposedly not strikers. They're attacking midfielders. So put them in the attacking midfield spot. Plug yeah, where, like, was Kachunga playing on the wing? Like, it was very unclear what Kachunga was Kachunga doing. wasn't playing at all, from my, <laughs> what I understood. I, didn't, I don't think he touched the ball once in the second half. He was just absent. Well, so was Marriott. I mean, they were all absent. Um, it was just, yeah, Marriott. I almost like with the with the squad as present. And, and look, Monk isn't going to do this. Monk has decided on his formation, and when the squad is fully fit, it's probably the ideal, not the ideal, but a, a very workable formation. But for these games, for like Luton and Rotherham and Wickham, when like half the center backs aren't available, you know, we've seen. Odebajo in a center back three. We've seen Palmer in a center back three. Like maybe just play a four four two diamond and do the simple stuff right and beat Luton Town, Rotherham, and Wickham. Yeah, I mean, how wedded are you to this this right. three five two formation when you've got all your? I mean, when when Iorfa and Lee's are healthy, it makes sense. But it makes sense. It makes sense that you have like three good championship quality center backs. I don't know that they have the wing backs to really pull this off going forward. Well, yeah, but they were also and again, if, if I'll sort of duck into my talking point and touch on a little bit, like let's not forget, not only were they missing two thirds of their presumptive starting defense, they were missing two thirds of their presumptive starting midfield, which we've just, Discuss. So, so you're not even just talking about the fact that Lees and Iorfa are out and they're kind of cobbling stuff together. But as we just broke down, the midfield is a mess. So, so even leaving, I guess you suggest what do they do? They do a, a four-four-two with Bannon and Pelopesi in the middle, and you're telling me that that's going to create offense? Like, no, that's going to be a disaster. We know what that's going to look like. I mean, my, my sort of go ahead. 
I would. I mean, I would say probably Flint and Lee's at the. Ba- I mean, I guess uh, with who's healthy. Okay, so it'll be Flint and Van Aken at the back. Palmer at right back. Reach at left back. Harris on the <sighs> wing. Kachunga who's on the, on the wing. other. Yeah, it's. And then I mean Bannon and Luongo, or Izzy Brown and Luongo when he's healthy, and then you have two strikers up front. No, but if they're he- as we said, if they're healthy, we do a three-five-two. We have the team to do it. Um, it just it, the injuries did not help. We played like absolute shit, and and this is my talking point that Patty raised in his rant. And thank you for using the word uh, apocalyptic. Just incandescent with rage, whatever you want to use. Just that was. I did the same thing, Jeff. I shut it off second they scored. I was like, I've seen this movie. So those, those of you who are in New Orleans remember my switch. If I know that game's over, there's no point. But what, what I do want to break down and, and, and kind of get into is the fact that they had no cutting edge. They had no discipline. They were awful, as Patty points out. That was the worst game of the year. All of that going on. That's one game. The, the, the mental breakdown by Wednesday fans online, which can be normal, uh, to me was excessive. But I was thinking about it. And, and here's what it is. We had been playing pretty well. We have a fucking twelve point deduction, and we're playing Luton Town at home. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I think I don't think you can. I think it's like you can't punt the winnable games. There's like it's like a higher. Everything's higher stakes. Wait, so, well, but why is that? Why is that necessarily a winnable game? Luton Town is a mid table team, and we're a fucking mid table team. And home field advantage does not matter without fans. It's it's across Europe. The stats have have yeah, leveled but I'm out. Just saying home it's field advantage game. doesn't matter. Sure, it's a winnable game. There's 46 fucking games. You don't win all the winnable games. You win some non-winnable. Is that games. a threat? <laughs> yeah, I know. I love your. I love your talk of this. Yeah, maybe it is, man. Maybe it fuck it is. But like, we beat Cardiff. We stole points that maybe we shouldn't have. Yeah. These I games see. happen. If 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 we do not beat the next two horrific teams, or at least look worthy of beating them, you know, I can see a game where we batter Rotherham, but. Shit goes down. It's one one. Something I mean, like I don't that. Care. That's I don't very care if possible. We look like shit if we get three points at this point. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm not going to be too worried about it until after the next couple games. Um, but what I think happened is everybody we had been playing pretty well, and overall people were starting to feel like, hey, this is a team we can get behind. We appreciate the effort. We're we're enjoying this season. We should know better by we, now than to actually do that. <laughs> what did we, what did we all say at the beginning of the year? Mm. Every single one of us said this season's going to be a long, shitty slog. And I feel like having the Brentford loss, which we played all right, you know, it could have been better, but that's a decent team. And then we drop an absolute fucking egg. Reminded everybody, and I think that's why everybody's so mad. Hey, this isn't going to be that miracle leads team that that came back from 15 points down this is going to be an awful ugly fucking season where we struggle to play with Luton town if we have injuries and we're going to be in a relegation battle until the weather is nice and as you know the weather never gets nice in yorkshire so (laughs) (laughs) it does on cape cod i'm with you with the um with the fan reaction i think um it is always overblown. And there's a certain, I would say almost a third of fans were never on Monk's side from the beginning. So uh, any opportunities to uh, slate in, they're going to they're gonna take that. Um, and 
yeah, I think overall I'm with you, but I'm also a little bit on Jeff's side too. You should be winning at home against Luton Town. They are currently mid-table. They will be at the end of the season, I assume, in the bottom four or five. Uh, and that's what it's that kind of thing where you, I think what triggered everyone back to going back to how they were behaving last season was we thought we turned the corner uh, and you've let us down again. It's that kind of like familiar kind of, Oh, you've done it again. We thought we were going somewhere. And no, it's the same old stuff we've watched for a long time. Uh, and then that's what is the raw thing that gets people back. And I back. think there's, there's actual like concern that they're so capable of slipping back into that in any given moment, any given game. And I, I, to an extent, I do think that reflects on Monk as a manager. It's not all him. Um, but if you look at the squad they rolled out on Saturday outside of Bannon and I guess you can throw Pelop Hesse in here, although he wasn't a Carlos guy and he was one of Lukai's first signings. There wasn't really anyone in that squad outside of, of Bannon and Reach that were from the old days. Van Aiken. Yeah, was Van, I know, Van, yeah, I guess Van Aiken. Technically he is, I suppose. Yeah. Technically <laughs> he is, yeah. Um, but I mean like the when like the two playoff seasons. Sort of the guys that had gotten, that had been there too long, that had kind of really given up towards the end of the Carlos tenure. But guys, here's the thing. You're you're both coming in, and I I get it, and and other people are coming in, and and I do get it, because, Patty, that's the nail on the head. It it felt like the absolute dreck we saw from fucking Boxing Day through, what, August? (laughs) Or, like, July? Whenever the fuck that was. Like, just, that was the worst that, that was just the worst. And I understand why that brings up those old feelings. And I understand, Jeff, you, you, you say when, when people say we could slide back into that. Absolutely agree with all that. It was one fucking game. Now, again, if we have these two games coming up and we are playing like we did Saturday against Rotherham and Wickham, uh, not only are we not going to take points, we're going to get the fucking manager fired and rightfully so. Like those are, this is a huge key point. I'm not the slightest bit worried about what happened Saturday. It's to me and you guys have talked about it enough. It's a drop in the bucket in a 46 game season. But if we don't come back from that and and do the things we need to do, even without, which we'll get into some of the players coming back for me, then even I, as you know, Mr. Overly positive will, will really start to, to have to ask some some hard questions about where the fuck are we going well we will get into the Rotherman Wickham previews and some Wednesday news after this break it's now time for some Wednesday news to kick things off, we will turn it over to our injury expert, Patty Jones. Patty, give us the injury update. Um, all right, experts a bit of a uh, stretch, but here we'll go. Um, so I'm gonna start with the bad news. It looks like the one goes is gonna be out for the Rotherham game. Uh, initially last week, uh, Monk said that it's like a knee swelling, it's swelling on your knee. And that would usually take seven to ten days. So I'd add, I'd double that because it's Sheffield Wednesday. So um, 
let's say he's not going to be available for the next two games. Um, I offer Lees and Brown are back in training, uh, and they were supposed to be in contention for um, uh, the last game against Luton. That clearly didn't happen because they went to end the bench. So, um, again, double the expectation. So, uh, maybe say they come back for the Saturday game against Wickham. Um, I'd be surprised. Uh, maybe one of them might come back into the substitute bench against uh, Rotherham. Uh, but I would be surprised if any of them make it into the first team based on the fact that we haven't seen them anywhere near the squad in the last week or two. Uh, other than that, that's all I have. Um, I don't have any updates from the rest of the people that are injured, but uh, I, I think we'll all agree that those three players, or those four players in Brown, Lees, I offer and Maz are kind of the key ones we're looking out for. <sighs> that's it. Nothing yeah. rosy, I'm afraid. Any and or all of the above would be uh, preferable to see them back in the squad this weekend or as soon as Wednesday. I don't even know what day of the week it is anymore, frankly. Doing this, hey, we this, pod- on Monday, doing this podcast on Monday is fucking bizarre. I mean, those are those are the are those the three best players on the team? Izzy Brown, Don Mayorfa, and Massimo Luongo? I think this season, definitely. Yeah. yeah. At, at, worst, at, at worst, they're like of three of the best five, so. Right, right. That would help. Hmm. Will they need them against Rotherham United? To find out more, we will turn it to our favorite recurring segment, Justin Discovers Rotherham. Well, I will say this, discovering the actual city of Rotherham, um, have I sort of heard of it? It's Toy Town, right? It's mm-hmm. it's it's the boys next door. Rotherham has two hundred fifty thousand people. That blew me away. I don't know if that's like Greater <laughs> Rotherham or what the hell it is. I I was picturing something a lot smaller than that. Um, yeah, it must be Greater Rotherham. I mean, Rotherham, Rotherham is like a, a town that encompasses like other towns. Like yeah, technically, I think so. my, the town my my parents live in is classed as part of Rotherham, but it's a, its own town. It's weird. No, uh, just to throw a Cape Cod reference, uh, the the city of Barnstable is about 52,000 people, but it's made up of seven separate villages. And if you're from one village, you always say you're from, you know, Marston's Mills or I'm from Katuit. You would never say Barnstable, even though Barnstable's 50,000, it seems to break down a little more. Um, to, to quickly duck into uh, the history of the club, because why not? I was doing the research. Uh, Once again, a town that uh, loves to brag about the fact that like a random king or queen stopped by there (laughs) 600 years ago and they built a statue about it. Um, Industrial Revolution came. Hey, ho. Uh, Rotherham was coal. Big, big, big on coal. And obviously on uh, turning grain into flour through the use of mills, which is how the uh, Rotherham United got the nickname of the Millers. they're probably their biggest claim to fame, two biggest claims to fame. They were in the finals of the original League Cup, 1961, lost uh, a two-legged affair to Villa, and they won the EFL Trophy in 1996, which is the, uh, as they like to say, it's the third biggest uh, cup in England, and it's a cup that nobody gives a shit about, uh, much like Rotherham. Is it bigger right? than the Charity Shield? whatever they call it now oh, Jesus, yeah. well i wouldn't call that a cup but yeah it's it's it means nothing and and i think we've all been aware as as wednesday fans of this weird uh 
Rotherham desire to uh, be seen as a rival the Wednesday. And I can't think of a single Wednesday fan I've ever talked to, met, seen online, anywhere suggests that Rotherham is an actual rival uh, other than, you know, sort of the team next door. They're, they're there with Doncaster and, and, you know, it's, well, the very famous, uh, very famous line is, of course, that you know when Rotherham passed the hat, Wednesday fans basically kept them in business, and they've kind of been salty about it ever since. Yeah, uh, money in the buckets, right? Yeah. Um, so so far this year, leading with Rotherham, they're uh, one win, three draws, three losses, uh, five goals, four and nine against. That's not good. Uh, <laughs> They did beat Wickham on the opening day in the, as far as I've ever seen, the first ever opening day six-pointer. Um, <laughs> and then drawn with Huddersfield, uh, Birmingham, and Forest and lost to Reading, Millwall, and uh, Norwich. Uh, so the few things I found looking at their team that were interesting, I always forget how many ex-Wednesday players they end up <laughs> having around. Uh, it's just sort of like that repository for guys that, that don't yeah honest honest answer did you guys know that richard wood is still there no i did All yeah right. is chris mcguire okay. still there he's been around forever no. now mcguire's <laughs> no. like somewhere else <laughs> wood's like their like mainstay over the last five years almost yeah you know who else has that again another guy is like wait a minute you know joe maddock is still there <laughs> And do you know Joe Maddock is actually playing well this year? Mm-hmm. So you got that. How uh, old is people, Joe Maddock now? I believe 32? he's 37. 37? What? Oh, no, 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 no. My fault. My fault. <laughs> I was thinking of Richard Wood. I was thinking of Richard Wood. Yeah, you're, Jeff, you're, you're 32, spot on. I think, yeah. I, think, I, think, I think he's 32. Uh, so those two, uh, another random excellent Joe Maddock is a Wednesday prospect. Was, uh, <laughs> Lewis Price, goaltender? Uh, he ever actually, did he ever actually play? Did he get on the bench for like he the did. cup or something? Yeah, no, he was on the bench for a while. He had a couple. But when I was just scrolling through their uh, roster, that was a name. It just stuck out to me. You're said, forgetting oh, one fairly notable one, Justin. I'm, I'm, <laughs> about, to, I'm about to note uh, Leicester City has uh, on loan George Hurst, yeah. which uh, will be interesting. So. Bang on, he scores uh, one against us. Is he, is he, is he oh. playing for them regularly yet? Is he going starts? No. So so this kind of leads to the next uh, point of what they're doing. They, they've they mostly used some variation of the 4-4-2 this year, whether it's a 4-4-1-1 or, or, you know, roughly like a 4-1-4-1 or kind of a straight 4-4-2, although they have used a 4-3-3 a couple times. When they've used a pretty straight 4-4-2, Hurst has gotten a start. You know, to me, the question is, what will they decide is the move against the three-five-two? Right? Do you play four-three-three or do you play four-four-two? If you play four-four-two, you overload the wings and try to get behind, create two-on-ones on the outside with us. If you play four-three-three, you try to find those channels in between the outside and and our backs. Um, uh, apparently, they've only played a, one team with a back three, and that was Millwall. They went a four-four-two. So we'll see how. We'll see how they line up. Um, to be honest, they're boring, boring, boring offensively. Uh, they are put the ball down the wings, chop it in the middle, hope something good happens. Sounds uh, familiar. Yeah, yeah. 
unfortunately. Oh, I expect a cost. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not. They're, they're not bad on set pieces, um, but they are pretty. That's good foreboding. In the air. Uh, oh God! And by the way, real quick interlude. Uh, you guys see Jacob Murphy's set piece yesterday? No, I watched like half an hour of that game. Was he anything good? Oh my God, he uh, he bent around uh, the wall from maybe 20 yards out there. The wall mm. set up. He bent it around and tucked it in the near post. It's gorgeous. He scored. I, uh, oh yeah. On a, oh, on I didn't notice. Yeah, you know, I was going to fucking yeah. bet on him scoring too, and I didn't in the end. <laughs> you want you want enough money betting? Which, <laughs> oh, if you, that you went in, definitely you should take 30 seconds at the end of this pod to to tell everybody how good you are at gambling. It's going to bode well for the future. Uh, uh, Rotherham is you say like that, Justin, but someone in the uh, New York Owls WhatsApp group was very proud of their Joey Pelopesi next to score bet, uh, in the Wednesday game this weekend. I want to see that, <laughs> <laughs> I want to see because unfortunately, he's going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess the one other thing to sort of note about uh, Rotherham as we play them is the idea that they are super, super, super aggressive when they don't have the ball. Um, they're top five or six in the championship in interceptions of passes, and they're also dead number one in fouls. So I think they're going to come after us. They're going to come hard. They're going to try to put some pressure on us, and we can only hope that we have – Somebody who's comfortable with the ball at their feet, uh, being patient um, to be able to try to take this game on Wednesday. At the weekend, they head to old friends, Wickham Wanderers. I've just found a weird fact out about Rotham, um, Mm -hmm. looking through their Wikipedia. Um, They have an American right back uh, called uh, Matthew Olasundi. Uh, apparently, he was part of the Red Bulls Academy um, <laughs> under 16, under 18. I don't think he ever played for Red Bulls. Um, he was signed by Manchester United. Uh, and then now he's gone on uh, to play for Rotherham, 34 games. So, yeah, nice little American link there. I'm shocked that in t- a town of 250,000 people, those were the five hardest dudes they could find in that one picture. <laughs> 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 Section five for Winter Wednesday. That will never get old. Uh, that will never get old. Patty, do you have uh, like I was kind of hoping James was going to be on tonight for this too, and I'm sure you can provide. Like, I would love at least like give me a minute, thirty seconds, something like what is Rotherham United and their fan base to. Sheffield Wednesday, and, and frankly, maybe a little bit of they're called the mini pigs for a reason. Well, they're the, the more of an annoyance. They're just like the they are the little Sheffield United, basically, because we don't really care about them as a, as a rivalry, but they want to be involved as a rivalry. So they're the ones that do the agitating. We're the ones just kind of like powering them off and go away. We don't care about you guys. Uh, but they get annoyed by that because they, they like to think they're as big as Sheffield United or at least uh, comparables. They, they kind of gang up on us with the Sheffield United fans. They're kind of very pally with the Sheffield United fans um, because obviously we're historically the better team. Um, so yeah, with more of a kind of annoying little brother, cousin, you don't want to know, or kind of like kind of, kind of relationship. And they tend to be much rougher, <laughs> as you see, <laughs> as you reference that section five, uh, lads, 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 <laughs> teens. The mad lad. Yeah. Um, 
that there's this picture that you just imposed in the WhatsApp group. I'm sure you've all seen on Twitter about this. This uh, what, what do you call these people now? Gangs? Are they gangs? Would you say like a football gang? They were suggesting they were a gang. They yeah. were calling themselves Section Five, an yeah. organized group of hoodlums. We'll we'll retweet it out. These these kids that in the uh, term just hooligans are they? Do they qualify as hooligans? <laughs> They're too young. I can't even Junior drink. hooligans. <laughs> Kids are a bit bored. <laughs> There's not much to do in Rotherham, Patty. There's fucking nothing to do in Rotherham now. <laughs> All right, let's move on to old friends, Wickham. Uh, I mean, my God. They're <laughs> 23rd in the league because mm-hmm. we have a minus 12. Yeah. They're 0-7. They have two goals for. They have 15 against. They uh, Their wins are to nobody. Their draws are to nobody. And they... Have lost every game. They're the first championship team to lose the first seven games in blank, blank, blank. Yeah. However long, um, players that, just, that notes, just feels like a challenge to the squad. <laughs> yeah, oh, it doesn't. And actually, the, oh, we've done scary, it before. We'll do it again. <laughs> the the scary thing is, is that Wickham's been uh, playing a little bit better by all accounts. I'm shockingly didn't write it in my notes, and I'm a little disappointed. Their manager, Gareth Ainsworth. There you go. I pulled that out. Uh, has been pretty highly respected uh, throughout the football league. People seem to think he. I mean, he's gotten he them into the championship. So I mean that that alone, they they have they were the they were almost falling out of the, they almost fell out of league two. They almost fell out of the football league. They were going to go bust. They barely, you know. Obviously, Wickham and Wednesday belong. Sort of weird friendship because Wednesday won promotion against them. So I think there's always been. I think Wickham like gave back all of their. Uh, away allocation so they could sell at hillsborough for that game too i did there were four they took 400 seats and yeah. those 400 cheered for us that game yeah. so we'll we'll take that the the people of note and and again credit to gareth ainsworth they got them the cha- a, it's a great accomplishment to get the them to the championship they do not look long for the championship not to say they won't they, beat us <laughs> they don't but you know in in all honesty they're they got absolutely destroyed week one. I think that was Blackburn lit them up, mm-hmm. maybe to the tune of you know five, six, seven, something like that. Since then, most of their games have been one nothing, two one. Like they they've figured out how to be a little more solid. So. I mean, if Wednesday win, it's probably going to be one nil. So <laughs> I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay with same, that. Same, same. Uh, uh, really, the only two names of note that I think Wednesday fans people would notice there. Backup goalkeeper they signed uh, this offseason, David Stockdale. And it, it took a little, took me a minute to figure it out. He was the Brighton goalie when we had our run-ins with them a good four or five years ago. And then I'll allow you to exactly 60 seconds of wrestling talk uh, as we talk about the beast. Uh, Fenwa, as fun as he is, he's not actually... Uh, participating in this team much this year they they run a straight 442 lump it long cross it in grab onto your butts and hope nothing happens and so far they haven't been able to do anything with that akin fenway is a lovely example of a lower league striker that is kind of going extinct in a weird way so is he even on the bench for them uh, just no he's not even getting the looking uh he's been on the bench a couple times but i i don't i don't even think he's gotten I don't even think he's gotten any time. I mean, he's... Patty, do you want to put in a uh, accumulator right now? George Hurst to score <laughs> against Wednesday and Akin Fenwa to score against Wednesday? <laughs> I, 
quite active with GFAC in Benway. Uh, Christ. Uh, no, I mean, you know, he was... When did they have? Then would they have an FA Cup run? Maybe like yeah. three, four, when he was with Wimbledon. Yep. Um, yeah. That was really fun. And he, you know, he was like pushing around the Liverpool center backs because he was a bit... Dude's 38. Yeah. You know, he, he does not move anymore. Um, but by, by all accounts... He, he was never pacey in his heyday either. No. Um, but he is one of those... It's one of those guys you root for. It's yeah. one of those guys in football that seems to have a, a spirit that makes a chair him on. I'm, I'm rooting for, I'm rooting hard for Wickham uh, 44 times this year. I mean, I can find where might be wise trying to uh, secure a move to the WWE, um, which is what we alluded to earlier on. Uh, he put on Twitter recently that he, he's calling out Vince McMahon and uh, tried to get a, a job on <laughs> NXT because he's still ripped. He's still ripped. But he's, apparently, he's uh, listed at six foot one, two hundred and twenty-four pounds. It's I'm not bad. Guessing that's a little light at this point, but I mean, I'm six foot two and two hundred and eight pounds now. So, <laughs> and like his goal scoring record for Wickham, uh, he's bagged forty six and one hundred fifty three games. That's not bad. They haven't had a soccer player in WWE. Have they? they haven't had that kind of like a. That's a begging for a kind of move so. to a kick the crossover. <laughs> yeah, he scored. Uh, two, he scored two hundred and twenty-six goals and seven hundred and twenty-one appearances throughout his career. Here's the list of players he's played for. He came up through the youth uh, system with Watford, then went to FK Atlantis. I have no idea what that is. It's a Lithuanian like team. In Bahamas. Lithuanian team. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, he played in Lithuania for a couple of years. As a as a teenager, then went. To, I bet he stood out. Then he went to Barrytown United in Wales, uh, and then Boston United, Leighton Orient, Rushton and Diamonds. Great name, not a very good team. I think he was picking names out of a hat, basically. At this point, Doncaster Rovers, Torquay United, Swansea City, Millwall, Northampton Town. That's Swansea City in the mid two thousands. I think it's like League Two. Northampton Town, Gillingham, Northampton Town, Gillingham, AFC Wimbledon, Wickham Wanderers. What a ledge. What a ledge. Good for him. Hey, uh, what are your, because uh, I alluded to a little bit in the first part, but I mean, these next two games, it's six points or bust, right? They really need to get like into positive numbers quickly. But you, so one thing that I want to call out, you said, that I think is interesting to kind of talk about is do you think that it is six points or bust for Gary Monk? Do you think that uh, if we lose, if we win one, lose one, fair enough, we'll keep on going. If we lose the next two games after losing to Luton, do you think he'll be chopped? I, how do you, like, I mean, I, I don't know that there's a better answer out there, and I've been arguing all year. I'm, I'm not a huge Gary Monk fan, but I, I think he's a good manager. Gary, Gary Monk managed Swansea City to eighth in the fucking Premier League after they sold their best player. Uh, uh, Boney. They sold Boney, and then he fucking led them to eighth in the Premier sure, League. So I guess to sort he, of talk- he, well, real quick because he was good with Leeds. We all watched Leeds. Leeds was awful. We enjoyed that. The year he showed up at Leeds, they were a disaster in the boardroom, and he held that together. He held together some other. Birmingham was crap. Like Monk has a record that I'm kind of okay with. I'm willing to say we don't have anybody anybody better. Let's run with it. 
if he loses the next two games, I'm purchasing tickets. I'm flying to Sheffield and I'm attacking Davon Chancery until he fires Gary Monk. Because if we don't take, <laughs> if we lose to these two fucking teams, Rotherham sucks. Wickham is potentially the worst championship team any of in us history. In history, by the point right. we play them, right. they could be the worst championship team in history. Right. So we're not losing. I mean, you said like we didn't like lose to Yeovil Town up a man, but. That was a draw, Jeff. No, you're right. It was a draw. We, were, <laughs> we conceded. We, just, we conceded. They were well down up to nine man. men. They were down to nine men. So Justin's on the fence. Uh, Jeff, what do you think? <laughs> so I guess he's finally got his coaching staff in. He finally has his system going. So the problem is you don't worry about it until the bottom of the league starts to run away from you a little bit, but they're playing the bottom of the league. So if they drop both games, they're both six pointers and then you have to start, but like, who are you getting? Are you throwing bags of money at Nigel Pearson? Is he coming here? Yeah. No, he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. Especially at this particular point. Who's like the championship. It's like you go and get some, you know, so you're all being quite shot so You're taking like, the question I mean, quite personally. So like, the question was, will he get sacked? Not would you sack him? So put yourselves in the shoes of Chancery. I don't think Chancery will sack him. Chancery, if anything, has been overly uh, supportive, supportive, conservative, however you want to call it, in terms of lazy like, making changes to <laughs> changes to managers. <laughs> It's true. I, I don't that's, think you, that's one way to put it, Patty. I don't think he necessarily cares about Wednesday on a day by day basis. <laughs> you might get monthly reports, see how we're doing. <sighs> Do we have any other wow, business? That's, that's a conversation for a whole other pod. I don't <laughs> All right, we'll say, we'll say, I, 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 I don't know if I agree with that. So we'll have to, we'll have to consider that. Do we Next have any other business? Pick. There we go. We do not, my friends. Wait, is that, is that it? Are we, are we done? Do we have any got, other business? I asked yeah, you I any other business, so I do, we're not yeah, done do, until do. people say we don't have any other business. That's how <laughs> any other business works. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, I think. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, dispatches from American Soccer. I'm going to throw dispatches in there from you. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, a, a final against two owls this Friday night mm. in USL League One. Uh, our friend, oh, two friends of the pod, so, first of all, John Harks, he's been on the podcast a couple of years ago. His team, Greenville Triumph, are in the final of USL League One against our friends Union Omaha, who basically stole the Wednesday logo uh, and uh, claim to be the Owls. So, it's the Owl, John Harks, versus the Owls, Union Omaha. Uh, also in the pod, we had the uh, guys from their podcast uh, on, uh, a year ago now, when they first mm. formed. It's their first full year in the uh, league, and they're in the final. So um, if you have ESPN Plus on Friday, or ESPN Deportes, I think it's on too, uh, it's the first USL League One game to nationally televised. <laughs> what, uh, what time Friday? 8 p.m. If you're in the Greenville, South Carolina area, get down there, actually allowing fans into the stadium. Uh, do so at your own risk and with masks, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but yeah, um, good luck to Mr. Arks. Good luck to Union Omaha. I have uh, no skin in this game. Uh, just uh, all the best to both of them. You're not going to put a parlay on it, Patty? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I've, I've already withdrawn my winnings from this this weekend's bets. So <laughs> that's not going anywhere. Patty, you don't want to announce the New York, New York Owls meetup location? Uh, yes. Um, that's fine. Um, so the New York Owls will be meeting um, this weekend at the Perfect Pint as a temporary uh, stopover. 
um, because it's outdoors and it has a heater. <laughs> it, has heaters. <laughs> it has heaters, TV, and it's open at 10 a.m. Whereas uh, Football Factory is indoors in a basement. So we're going to leave that alone for the time being. Um, if you want to join us, come down to the Perfect Pint on 45th Street. It's literally on Times Square um, in New York. So, um, yeah, come join us. This has been episode 111 of the Owls AmeriCast. We're still looking for season-long sponsors. Perhaps a perfect pint. Perhaps uh, your footy accumulator website of choice. <laughs> but if you are interested, you can get in touch with us at owlsamericas.com. That's our website. Our email address is owlsamericas at gmail.com. You can find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls AmeriCast, we ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Justin is on Twitter, at New England Owl. Justin, I want your official prediction. Greenville Triumph against Union Omaha. Who you got? Harksy <laughs> uh, inspires a romp. 3 uh, 0 triumph. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, do you have a website where you can bet on the USL League One final? Well, I'm assuming that Foxbet has it, and that's where I win all my money. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll go Foxbet. Um, by the way, we had a kind of offline conversation about my betting, so I won four hundred dollars on an accumulator on Sunday, eight game parlay for NFL. So <laughs> whoop whoop, the wrong football. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and we will see you back here to review what I'm sure will be two equally interesting games. Six Next points, week. baby. Uh, Six points. <laughs> <laughs>